Michael Hewitt was paid a set daily rate for his job working as a supervisor on an offshore oil rig, but he frequently had to work far more than the usual 40-hour work week, only without the benefit of overtime pay. So, Hewitt sued his employer, Helix Energy Solutions, to get the overtime pay that Hewitt argued was owed to him under the Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA. In response, Helix argued that they didn't have to pay overtime to highly compensated employees like Hewitt. But Hewitt claimed that his set daily rate technically wasn't even considered being paid on a salary basis anyway which again meant that he qualified for overtime. Helix, the employer, ended up winning in district court. Then, the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit reversed before the Supreme Court granted certiorari. The court was asked in this case whether a high-earning employee is compensated on a salary basis and therefore exempt from overtime pay when his paycheck is based solely on a daily rate. They held that daily rate employees are not paid on a salary basis and are therefore entitled to overtime pay. Today I'll be reading Justice Kavanaugh's dissenting opinion in this case. Enjoy. Justice Kavanaugh, with whom Justice Alito joins. Dissenting. Michael Hewitt earned about $200,000 per year as a supervisor for Helix, a firm that provides services on offshore oil rigs. After being fired, Hewitt sued Helix under the Fair Labor Standards Act and sought hundreds of thousands of dollars in retroactive overtime pay. The court today rules for Hewitt. I respectfully dissent. Unlike the court, I would hold that Hewitt was a bona fide executive for Helix and therefore not entitled to overtime pay. Under the Fair Labor Standards Act, many American workers are legally entitled to overtime pay when they work more than 40 hours per week, but the act contains several exceptions, including an exception for employees who work in a bona fide executive capacity. To determine whether an employee works in a bona fide executive capacity, the Department of Labor's implementing regulations look to, among other things, 1. the employee's duties, 2. how much the employee is paid, and 3. how the employee is paid, for example, by salary, wage, commission, or bonus. Under the regulations, an employee who performs executive duties and earns at least $100,000 per year with a predetermined weekly salary of at least $455 for any week that he works is a bona fide executive and not entitled to overtime pay. Per those regulations, Hewitt readily qualified as a bona fide executive. As everyone agrees, Hewitt performed executive duties, earned about $200,000 per year, and received a predetermined salary of at least $963 per week for any week that he worked. 
Despite all that, the court holds that Hewitt was not a bona fide executive and therefore was entitled to overtime pay under the regulations. The court relies on two alternative rationales. First, the court reasons that Hewitt's pay was calculated on a daily rate basis, while Section 602 of the regulations requires a certain minimum predetermined amount calculated on a weekly or less frequent basis, specifically at least $455 per week. That is known as the salary basis test. But Hewitt's daily predetermined rate, $963 per day, was higher than the weekly minimum requirement of $455 per week specified in the regulations. If a worker is guaranteed at least $455 for any day that he works, that worker by definition is guaranteed at least $455 for any week that he works. As Helix rightly explains, a supervisor whose pay is calculated based on a day rate above the weekly minimum receives more than enough on a salary basis to satisfy the regulation. To be sure, if Hewitt worked multiple days in a week, then his $963 guaranteed weekly salary would only be part of his total weekly compensation. But under the salary basis test specified in the regulations, an employee's guaranteed weekly salary of at least $455 need only constitute all or part of his total weekly compensation. The court's opinion never satisfactorily accounts for Section 602's use of the phrase, or part. Stated simply, the regulations require only that an employee be guaranteed a predetermined amount of at least $455 per week as part of his total compensation for any week that he works. Hewitt was guaranteed a predetermined amount of at least $455 per week, in fact, $963 per week, as part of his total compensation for any week that he worked. And that predetermined minimum amount of $963 was not subject to reduction because of variations in the quality or quantity of the work performed. Hewitt always received at least $963 per week that he worked. The court's contrary conclusion boils down to the head-scratching assertion that Hewitt was somehow not guaranteed to receive at least $455 for any week that he worked, even though, as all agree, he was in fact guaranteed to receive $963 for any day that he worked. Second, and alternatively, the court relies on a separate section of the regulations, section 604, that applies to executives who, unlike Hewitt, make less than $100,000 per year. Under the overtime pay regulations, as I have noted, executives who earn at least $100,000 per year and who are guaranteed a salary of at least $455 per week that they work are not entitled to overtime pay. Under Section 604, some executives who make less than $100,000 per year 
are likewise not entitled to overtime pay if they are guaranteed at least $455 per week that they work, and at least two-thirds of their total compensation comes in the form of a weekly guarantee. Because Hewitt earned more than $100,000 per year and qualified as a highly compensated employee, the two-thirds requirement of Section 604 did not apply to him. The court's opinion nonetheless suggests that the two-thirds requirement may apply even to executives such as Hewitt, who earn more than $100,000 per year. That is incorrect. To begin with, the introductory statement to the overtime regulations indicates that the two-thirds requirement does not apply to highly compensated employees, that is, those like Hewitt, who earned at least $100,000 per year. Moreover, the regulation for highly compensated employees does not refer to or incorporate Section 604, which contains the two-thirds requirement, whereas Section 601 now does refer to other provisions of the regulations. In addition, the regulation for highly compensated employees Section 601, expressly authorizes an employer to make a catch-up payment to an employee near a year's end in order to push the employee over the $100,000 per year threshold. That regulation simultaneously makes clear that, for such a highly compensated employee, only about $25,000 of his compensation needs to be guaranteed in weekly salary. That express authorization for significant catch-up payments directly contravenes any suggestion that highly compensated employees who earn at least $100,000 per year are subject to the two-thirds requirement. In short, Section 604's two-thirds requirement did not apply to Hewitt who earned about $200,000 per year. To sum up, neither of the court's two rationales holds up in light of the text of the regulations and the undisputed terms of Hewitt's pay. Because Hewitt performed executive duties, earned at least $100,000 per year, and received a guaranteed weekly salary of at least $455 for any week that he worked, I would hold that Hewitt was not legally entitled to overtime pay under the regulations. One last point. Although the court holds that Hewitt is entitled to overtime pay under the regulations, the regulations themselves may be inconsistent with the Fair Labor Standards Act. Recall that the Act provides that employees who work in a bona fide executive capacity are not entitled to overtime pay. The Act focuses on whether the employee performs executive duties, not how much an employee is paid or how an employee is paid. So it is questionable whether the Department's regulations, which look not only at an employee's duties, but also at how much an employee is paid and how an employee is paid, will survive if and when the regulations are challenged as inconsistent with the Act. 
It is especially dubious for the regulations to focus on how an employee is paid to determine whether the employee is a bona fide executive. An executive employee's duties may be relevant to assessing whether the employee is a bona fide executive, but I am hard-pressed to understand why it would matter for assessing executive status whether an employee is paid by salary, wage, commission, bonus, or some combination thereof. In any event, I would leave it to the Fifth Circuit on remand to determine whether Helix forfeited the statutory issue. But whether in Hewitt's case on remand, or in another case, the statutory question remains open for future resolution in the lower courts, and perhaps, ultimately, in this court. I respectfully dissent. We've come to the end of the opinion. Until next episode, thanks for listening to What SCOTUS Wrote Us.